Fantastic. Well, good evening, everyone. It's lovely to see you all, and what a blessing it is to have, I think, the closest thing we've had to an evening service in three years. Uh, so, yeah, welcome back. It's good to have an evening service again. We're looking forward to our prayer service on, on Sunday night, looking like this as well. Um, but it really is my joy uh, to be able to come and share God's Word this evening. Uh, what an incredible privilege it is as well to have uh, only recently, this last weekend, spent an entire service dwelling on the, the greater context of this chapter that we find ourselves in. And then once again during the week to be able to come again and spend a little bit more time uh, just in three short verses. Uh, but before we, before we go there, let's read our passage together. Uh, then we'll, we'll spend uh, our time really just digging into uh, the, the wonderful blessings that the Lord has for us in His Word um, so let's just read from Revelation chapter 12, verses 7. And I'm going to be reading from verse 7 to verse 12, but the message is going to be focused around verses 10 to verse 12. So just those three verses. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they have not loved their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Let's just pray once again just to ask the Lord to help us. Our great and glorious God, this evening as we unpack a short section of your word, Lord, we are so thankful that uh, once again we get to meditate within the book of Revelation, that once again, Lord, you, you bless us with your word, which is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to pierce down to the marrow. And so this evening, Lord, would you help us? Would you help me, Lord? Help us to think, help us to have our minds stirred. Work within our consciences, Lord. Go beyond our excuses. Get behind the distractions of this week, Lord, and help us to focus on you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like us this evening to spend a short period of time, this little bit of time that we have together, in these three verses under these three headings. Firstly, in verse 10, the accuser has been cast out. And in verse 11... The accuser's defeat. And in verse 12, the accuser's time is short. And so in the first place in verse 10, I want us to see that the accuser has been cast out. And that is where we find ourselves firstly in verse 10 at this point in chapter 12, is where John has moved from describing the events on this earth in verses 1 to 6 to what was happening in the, in the heavens at the same time in parallel in verses 7 to 12. And this passage begins with a loud voice, which is the very voice of God describing an incredible and total victory between, from the battle between Jesus and Satan. Salvation and power 
and the kingdom of God and authority of Christ have come. Now, I don't know about you, but I enjoy watching historical documentaries of some of the wars over the the past, and I recently watched one uh, where Winston Churchill was giving his VE Day speech, and he spoke with a great sense of joy about the fathers and the brothers and the, the husbands who were coming home because victory had been achieved in Europe. But only a few moments later, he spoke the bad news, and that is that there was now a new battle to be fought a new battle in the Pacific against the Japanese. And so brave men, these same men who were coming home, would once again be able to head off into battle. And I struggle to describe the feeling of seeing these men's faces in the video, seeing them rejoice at the fact that VE Day, victory in Europe, had come, but now, in fact, that victory wasn't a victory. So what kind of loud cry of victory do we see here? What does this loud cry of victory even mean? What does this coming of salvation and power and the kingdom and the authority of Christ mean? Well, nothing other and nothing less than John's recording that Satan has been thrown down. Notice John calls Satan the accuser. And why does John call him the accuser? Well, we see that Satan stood before God in verse 10, day and night, accusing God's people of their sin. And Satan knew very well that God was perfectly holy, but that his people were not, and they would wrestle with their sin. They would at times abandon God. They would often live like the world. They would rebel against God. They would worship idols and get caught up in all sorts of worldly affairs. And Satan knew that this was something which he could use. How could a holy God allow his people to look like this? How could a God allow such a sinful people to be called chosen? his children, or even as a laughing matter, how could he dare to call them redeemed or forgiven? And you can almost hear Satan's mocking and his rage in heaven calling out against God's people. Look at how they spend their time. Do you not see their hearts? Look at those people over there. Do you not see that they're becoming just like my people, people full of lies and deceit and anger and all sorts of sin? And for a time, God allows Satan this free access into heaven, into his courts to make these accusations. And we see two great examples of this in Scripture. Firstly, in the book of Job, where God summons Satan to him, and Satan declares that Job is a hypocrite. He will surely abandon God if God takes away his earthly pleasures. Likewise with Peter, where Jesus says that Satan asks to sift him, And Peter would surely fold under pressure if he was under just a little bit of persecution. What do we see of these examples? Well, nothing other than Satan, the deceiver, telling the truth. In fact, Job would speak without wisdom to God. He would open his mouth against his creator. Peter would deny Christ and deny his calling indeed. But this isn't all that we see in verse 10 we see that Satan is cast down. The accuser of the brothers is thrown down to earth. He is cast out of the presence of God, and that should lead us to ask, why? Have God's people suddenly become less sinful? Well, I think we see in our own hearts, and even today, that's not the case. Have God's standards been changed over time because people just surely cannot meet up to them? Well, indeed, we also see that God's word never changes, and so God's standard will never change. But so then what caused Satan to suddenly be expelled from having access to God? 
Well, this leads us to verse 11, where in the second place we see the accuser's defeat. And in verse 11 we read, they, these are the people that Satan was accusing, have conquered him. A great victory has taken place. Satan has been expelled from heaven and no longer has access to God because the saints have conquered him. How have the saints conquered him? Well, verse 11 gives us three ways. Firstly, the saints have conquered Satan by the blood of the Lamb. The main reason why Satan has been cast out of heaven and has no access to God in order to raise accusations against his people is because he no longer has a basis for those accusations. And why does he have no basis? Because it's not that we're suddenly less sinful. It's because the blood of the Lamb has removed the power of Satan's words. See, it's not about us. It's not about our good works. It's not about our own righteousness. It's God's own doing through His Son's own sacrifice. I like the way that the New Living Translation translates 1 Peter 2, verse 24. He, this is Jesus, personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we, so that we can be dead to sin and alive to what is right. Jesus personally atoned. He personally carried, and he personally took and paid by his own life the whole payment that was due to God for all of our sin to be on all of Christ in our place. Richard Phillips, theologian and commentator, says this, Now having ascended to God's throne in heaven, Jesus, by his presence, Jesus, by his presence, forever bars Satan from appearing to accuse us. This evening, as we gather to remember the ascension of Jesus, we don't gather in remembrance of a Savior who was defeated in death. No, rather we remember a Savior who conquered in his death and resurrection in the payment of our sins. So if you are a Christian here this evening, you are righteous in God's eyes. Satan has no accusation against you. And Jesus' death and resurrection now gives us new life. And Satan's accusations are no longer allowed, not again because of anything we have done, but because of the blood of the Lamb which has freed us from all guilt. Tom Schreiner, pastor and theologian, says, The atoning work of Jesus alone is the fundamental reason why Christians have conquered, sorry, why, why Christians have conquered Satan. The second way which the, saint, which the saints have conquered Satan is by the word of their testimony. Now, in a world full of scattered views and religious groups twisting and, and muddling up what Scripture says, let us be clear as Christians for what it means to be a Christian. Out of the love that God has shown us in the gospel, in the sending of His one and only Son to die on the cross in our place, through this love that God has shown us in Christ, we turn from our sin believe upon Christ and his sacrificial and substitutionary death in our place, and we trust in Jesus alone to transform our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life of worship. So as we see in Scripture then, when we live a life of worship, it doesn't testify to our goodness. It doesn't point towards us. It doesn't give us glory. Rather, it shows what God has done for sinners like you and me in the gospel. 
We are to have a testimony of God's word, his gospel in our lives. So for Christians then, it is not our blood which has conquered Satan, rather the great and glorious work which God has given to us in conquering Satan is the proclamation of the gospel as far and wide as we go. We are to call out like the prophets of old and like the apostles in the New Testament and like every other faithful Christian in the last 2,000 years, the good news of Jesus Christ who came and died and rose again. When Jesus sent the disciples out to preach the gospel, upon their return, these same men who witnessed Jesus were amazed. People were getting saved. The sick were being healed. Lives were transformed. God was doing incredible things through the preaching of the gospel. And as Jesus says in Luke 10, 18, to their amazement, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, I know amongst Baptist circles, we are often afraid of talking too spiritually, but if we want true power against demonic forces and Satan's work within this world, gossip the gospel. Teach your children the gospel. Study the word together. Share the gospel with your colleagues. Invite friends into your home. Look for reasons to meet unbelievers in life and share this good news with the world. Perhaps like me, you look into the world, and maybe even the world is too much, we look at our own country, and we wonder what, if anything, God is doing. Look at the state of our schools, our universities, the businesses, our own government, and never mind the external forces. Look at our own hearts. Are you sometimes tempted to ask the question, is Satan winning? Well, D.A. Carson, a pastor and theologian, says the following. The hosts of darkness are pushed back by Christians, not voting for the DA, not trying to figure out which political party is going to bring about true change, not trying to undermine the governmental systems. No, rather, the hosts of darkness are pushed back by Christians bearing witness, giving testimony to who God is and what he's done in Christ Jesus. So then how can we push back against Satan and his forces? Carson continues, we will be defeated if we, if we simply keep silent. If you never share the gospel with anyone else, you yourself are already defeated. You are not pushing back the frontiers of darkness. This is how Satan is defeated, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Church family, let's have the integrity this evening to ask the hard questions, to search our own hearts. Are we here at Honey Ridge, individually and corporately, a part of the conquering of Satan through the sharing and by the having of a testimonial word of God's work in our own hearts? Are we sharing the gospel as a community of believers here at Honey Ridge? When last did you share the gospel? Have you become complacent, perhaps, rather living in the material blessings of God, so comfortable, in fact, that the stench of death in the world around us doesn't even bother us anymore because we've got our own personal ticket to heaven? Well, I think this evening's gathering is evidence that when joy is had by God's people, that we will move mountains out of our week, we will come together, we will worship, we will put in effort, we will sing, we will listen, we will exalt, we will glorify God. 
we will celebrate Jesus Christ, the one who we love and our Lord. But friends, can I ask us, what do we mean by celebrate? What do we mean by love? And what do we mean by Lord if we do not take this gospel out into the non-church part of our lives? Praise God that the blood of the Lamb covers even our lack of a desire and often urgency to see others come to see Christ, come to know Jesus through the gospel. But it must not stay this way. If we want to have a gospel witness in our area, as Honey Ridge Baptist Church and as the individual members within it, we need to witness to the gospel. The third reason, or the third way that Satan has been conquered is because the saints are willing to die for this gospel. And as much as I do believe that we're entering into a time in the world where we will genuinely see Christians and pastors and missionaries and faithful Christians in in normal spheres of life thrown in jail for the preaching of the gospel, it is unlikely that we will face this persecution tonight and perhaps even tomorrow. And so this can seem like a foreign concept if it's without reach. Still, like these Christians' devotion to the gospel, this message of the blood of the Lamb in the sharing in the conquering of the word of the testimony, if we are to be like these same Christians, we must be ready and willing to die for the gospel. At the very least, we must be ready and willing to suffer, to become more like Christ, to have our faith tested through trials and difficulties, to have our faith refined by God, We must be willing to even die to our sin, abandoning it for the sake of knowing God. But sadly, there seems to be a prevalent attitude that's often thrust upon the young people as the the main culprits, but I think we can all honestly say that it's within our church and within all of us of, I don't want to have to die to myself. I don't want to have to give up my pleasure. I don't want to have to lose this life. That's not fun and it's not fair and I don't want it. The problem with that is that it's a kind of prosperity gospel which we have bought into, which says that I get to love my sin, enjoy my addictions, take part in my trash, fill my eyes and heart and mind with lust and evil thoughts, while still having daughter of the king or Christian or follower of God on my Instagram profile. I still want to be able to share weekly Bible verses on my WhatsApp or stand in church with my arms raised in worship, but do not tell me I have to look different to the world. Do not tell me I have to give up my sin. Church family, Satan is looking for people like this to devour. He delights in stubborn people who want to walk in hypocrisy. He is overjoyed to find young people coming to our youth group while filling their minds with all sorts of garbage. He loves it when an elderly couple move into a retirement home, claiming to be Christians, yet grumbling and gossiping just like the unbelievers. He is thankful when a Christian moves jobs yet again without ever having shared the gospel with a single colleague. Satan wants to accuse us before God, and he has every single bit of evidence that he needs in order to do so, but he no longer has access to God. And so what will his tactic be? His tactic is not to make sin look destructive. His tactic is not to make sin look horrible, but rather it's to make it look so enjoyable that we fall in love with it yet again. He will cause us to doubt our faith, to question our salvation, to reject accountability, 
and all to discredit God from a distance. This is why personal repentance and even corporate repentance as a church is essential in dying to ourselves, to looking to Christ in the defeat of Satan. Repentance, which is essentially a turning away, a changing of our minds, in a way a dying to our old way of thinking, this is vital if we want to be people who claim that the blood of the Lamb has indeed freed us from our sin, has given us everything we need to preach the gospel so that we will be people who'd be willing to take up our cross daily and die for the gospel. Satan the accuser, as we read here, has been cast out of heaven. He doesn't have this access to God. He has no case against you or me if, he, if we are in Christ. None. He has been conquered by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and by the willingness of the saints of old and even the saints today in South Africa within Honey Ridge Baptist Church to die for the gospel. Are we even willing to live for the gospel? Friends, when last were we even challenged in our faith? In the last place, in verse 12, we see that the accuser's time is short. In this last portion of our passage, we read in verse 12, therefore... Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. As Clinton reminded us last week, Satan's raging here on this earth to bring destruction and chaos is like a raging lunatic who knows that his time has come to an end and who is desperate, knowing that victory is not at hand, but is wanting to take down as much and as many with him as possible. And as with Hitler, who sent thousands of German troops to their death only hours before he died, not expecting a victory, but overcome with pride and arrogance and wanting to leave his mark, Satan too attacks the church here on earth. He attacks the local churches by tempting their pastors into sin. He sows division and encourages worldliness and apathy towards sin. He deceives and he twists God's word in our hearts. He places wolves to attack faithful Christians and he raises up goats to interfere with the sheep pen. Satan wants nothing more than to discredit God by discrediting God's people. To accuse God's people, to deceive, to rage again because his time is, his, his time is short. This time that he has on earth is his last stint. This is it, and then that is it. This evening, we joyfully and with thankful hearts remember our Savior's sacrifice for us, his death on that cross, his wonderful resurrection, and his glorious ascension. But praise God that his ascension was not the last work which Jesus would have to do. In a short while, Jesus would come, will come like a thief in the night and will bring judgment on Satan and his, demon, and his demons and all those who oppose him. 
Jesus is not coming again to be crucified. He is not coming again to be mocked, and he will not come again to suffer. But no, he will come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lamb who was slain, the Prince of life. Jesus will come to rule and to reign, and he will finally silence the voice and the influence that Satan has, this great accuser, and he will cast him into the lake of fire. Until that day, Honeyridge Baptist Church, build your confidence before God on the blood of the Lamb, on the word of your testimony, and be ready to lose your life for his sake. I'd like to finish with the words of an 18th century hymn, Hail the day that sees him rise. Hail the day that sees him rise to his throne beyond the skies, Christ, the Lamb for sinners given, enter now the highest heaven. Therefore, him high triumph awaits. Lift your head, eternal gates. He has conquered death and sin. Take the king of glory in. Highest heaven, its Lord receives, yet he loves the earth he leaves. Though returning to his throne, still he calls us all his own. And still for us he intercedes. His atoning death he pleads. Near himself prepares our place. He the firstfruits of our race. There we shall with you remain, partners of your endless reign. See you with unclouded view. Find our heaven of heavens in you. Let's pray. Our great and glorious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to come into your presence this evening to remember the wonderful and glorious ascension of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son into this world to save sinners. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb which has conquered Satan, which has silenced our accuser. Thank you, Lord, for the conquering of Satan and for the wonderful privilege that it is to witness to this world of your work in our lives. Thank you for raising Jesus from the dead and for his ascension into heaven. Thank you that he finished the work of salvation, that we can truly be free from our sin, from condemnation, from accusation, and from death itself. Oh, Lord, you are worthy to be praised for who could have thought up this wonderful plan. All we have is hearts full of gratitude, desiring to worship you because of all which you have done for us. We thank you and we ask that you impress upon our hearts this evening this wonderful salvation which we have, the great defeat of Satan, and the promise of Christ coming again soon. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.